I'm 26 now, Justin. And um, I guess last week at this point, last Wednesday, I discovered that I desperately, truly, actually really need glasses. Um, I, uh, yeah, so, you know, you, you, I'm open to questions. At the well, time. I was just, I was, saying, I was saying as like, uh, as, as a, a, a vision per, as a person that has no, no need for glasses. Yeah. How do you suddenly cross over that bridge? <laughs> so, uh, I discovered this as a 26 year old human being that I've actually needed glasses my whole life, apparently. And uh, I have worn glasses in the past. Uh, like my senior year of high school, I went to a Costco with my dad. And they have an optometrist there who's just like, <laughs> who's just like some fucking college graduate, right? It's just it's like, like a cardboard box job. set up yes, with like exactly. a little stand. Yeah. He basically, like, 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 I remember like going in and they basically, it was like 10 minutes. They like looked me up and down, like, yeah, try these. Bucks. <laughs> my dad was like, is this anything? And then he was right. like, I don't know. And so I wore them, um, but they didn't really help. Uh, in fact, they made my vision a little bit worse, uh, gave me headaches, and made my, my, my tummy feel bad. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. And then so I didn't wear them a lot. I mean, I, I tried to wear them for like a year. I also, I like the style of them, so I was like, maybe I'll like fight through this. Um, and then uh, I, I just, when I got to college, I was like, I can't. I actually can't do this anymore. So I stopped. Um, but then, uh, you know, I'm 20, 26 now, just turned 26. And my, my mom before my birthday was like, Hey, uh, in, in sort of like the months leading up to your birthday, like you should go see the doctors you have to see it just is it go see the doctor, right? Like a, as many doctors as you can see just to get sort of final checkups before you, you are off our health insurance. I was like, that's fine. So I went and uh, she was like, see an optometrist. And I was like, why? And she's like, when's the last time you got your eyes checked? And I was like, Costco. And she's like, that doesn't count. When before then? And I was like, I don't know. Like when I was like 10, you took me basically. And she's like, okay. And, um, she's like, you should you're like, yeah, you're probably fine. But like, go see him. You know, it's free. It's free right now. Go see him. So I go, Basically, he's asking me these questions about my life, and he's like, "Like, do you, you know? Do you see well?" And he's like, he's like sort of examining my eyes and whatever, and I was like, "I think so. Like, I, th- I think I see pretty well." And he's like, "Like, can, do you have issues with reading, like, or driving at night?" And I was, like, "No, not really." And he's like, "Okay." He basically said, "Like, listen, your life is perfectly fine without glasses." But he said, "Like, I think you'll see an improvement if you get some." And I was like, if that's what you're telling me, man, like you're the expert here. Like I'll, I'll, I'll do that. So I get, I order this pair of glasses and I put them on last week and I'm freaking out as I'm sitting there at this little table because I can see the detail on the walls because I can see like the individual hairs on a person's head. I'm like having this freak out because I'm like, holy shit. Is this what everyone else is seeing? (laughs) (laughs) So apparently I did not realize how truly bad my vision is, dude, that I've just been living with. And now I've been just discovering that like, oh my gosh, I can see the individual leaves on a tree. I can see like, like (laughs) trees used to look like a cartoon tree for you. Dude, yes, (laughs) yes. Literally. I felt like one of those babies Uh. who gets glasses for the first time and they're like, ah. You know, like, dude, just truly, I can't believe how good everything looks. Video games look fucking amazing. I was sitting there playing Baldur's Gate. Elena came over and I had my mouth like open. She's like, what? And I was like, like, this looks so good. I cannot believe how good the world looks, dude. I went from 720p to 4K and like, what's up? You never like put on like Elena's glasses or anything like that? 
So she has a she has a pretty heavy subscri- uh, uh, sub, uh, prescription. Mine is, is is like like relatively light. Like like I'm I can see just fine without my glasses. Um, but like seeing any sort of fine detail, like I just I can't really do unless it's like a foot in front of my face. Um, and, and I didn't know that until I put these on. And I was just like, like I said, having this like kind of mini freak out in this optometrist's office because like like I could see like the, the pattern, like the texture of the wall when I was sitting at this table. And I was like, wait, it's like it's like the scene in The Matrix when he's like actually like sees the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, yes. Suddenly you get it. Um, yeah. do, do you worry that like it's going to make your eyes weaker? Oh, like wearing glasses? Yeah. Like that I'm going to have to like it's a crutch. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, I think about that with every facet of my life. Of like, <laughs> I'm not getting weaker. <laughs> is, is like, it's like, what if I run out of this? Or what if this is like, what if the world ends? You know what I mean? I'm, like, that's how, that's how my brain immediately goes. It's like, wait a second. Like, what if the apocalypse happens and I need this medication? Like, I just got to, you know, I got to Teddy Roosevelt it. Just get over <laughs> polio or whatever the hell happened with him. Asthma? I don't know. Um, <laughs> his dad made him do that. <laughs> It worked. I know that. He was yeah, a leader I mean, of the free world. He's he a freaking president. He got shot with a gun while he was giving a speech, and he didn't die. No. The speech was was folded in his front pocket, and it stopped the bullet. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. The speech? Yes. Was this like that's a why, Was this a novel? Be memorized. Was this the Lord of the Rings? Uh, no, I think it was like a... Well, I mean, this is when, like, back in the day when guns weren't very good, first of all. And then mm. second of all, I think it was like a tiny one. So, like, it was like a tiny little bullet, and it, like, got stopped by the thing. Yeah. Maybe uh, the, there was so much paper in that speech because he needed glasses, but his dad told him not to wear the glasses. Oh, exactly. So, so he just had like everything a really big. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so basically, I'm like a modern Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, also, that may be... That all might be apocryphal. I don't know if that's true or not. Like, I do not know. I Like, I... I learned it in school, but like a lot of the stuff I learned in school turns out isn't true. Um, or that uh, sometimes uh, I find out the things that I learned in school. I, I wasn't actually taught in school. For example, I don't mean to get graphic here. I was talking to, I don't remember who I was talking to. It was either my girlfriend or our good friend and now Patreon supporter, Josh Durham. And um, I was saying like, yeah, well like, you know, if the, if the government wants to kill you, they'll strangle you to death and then make it look like you choked yourself to death with a belt while jerking off. And whoever I was talking to said, where did you learn this? Without missing a beat, I went, school. (laughs) And then we both took a second and went, that's definitely not true. Or like if it was at school, it was in the building school and not like from a teacher's mouth. What the fuck, Peter? (laughs) It's Headbox! everyone welcome back to hitbox episode number 176 starting the new year right can i just say is it the first one of the new year mm, no no it's not it's not but, but after you know, new hey, year. yeah we can make it feel that way yeah yeah uh my name is peter Hunspatek, and joining me as always is my wonderful friend and co-host justin makovich justin you're starting back at school are you teaching kids about the whole asphyxiation thing 
Yep, first day of class. I'm gonna like my lesson's planned. I'm gonna everyone. All right, everyone, do you have a belt? Come on, let's. Oh, let's... Fuck, okay. To be fair, um, I'm yes. actually hoping that my first day of school gets delayed because there are there's snow in the forecast, Peter. Did Apparently you know it's that? It's gonna be a big snow, right? It's supposed to be a big one. All right. So the guy at Home Depot, as I was buying shovels and salt, told me yep, that it's yep, gonna yep. be probably wet. But he said the one to be worried about mm-hmm. is on Friday. He said Friday is the storm to be worried about, not tomorrow. Okay, okay. So we're supposed to get about four inches in the next 24 hours. This, that's this storm. But people, mm-hmm. we're from the Midwest. Four inches, that's, that's, that's nothing. hardly anything. That's, that's, yeah. that's baby snow. Exactly. But we're supposed to get anywhere from 6 to 12 on Friday. I, dude, to I'm, me. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. Pretty- I love snow. And I'm happy say for you ch- as my teacher friend. What's that? It's it's changed for me a little bit. Not I still enjoy a snow day as a teacher. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But now that I own a home, I have to make that snow go away. And I don't yeah. know. I don't. I'm not always yeah. prepared for it. I have a deck. Apparently, you don't want to keep snow on a deck all summer long or winter well, long. Typically, <laughs> definitely typically you can't. Not yeah. Um, <laughs> I was trying but, but to in, in that case, yeah, the snow just takes care of itself. You don't really yeah. have to worry about it. Yeah. But um, like, you got, you got, I had to like, buy an extra shovel. I had to buy mm-hmm. a bunch of salt. Then I realized the salt I bought, not pet safe. So I had to buy more salt that was oh pet gosh, safe. And then yeah. someone told me you can't put salt on concrete. Always ruin the concrete. So then I had to get sand to put down everywhere. So I went to Home Depot, spent $100 on sand, salt, oil for my snowblower, and another shovel. Dude, you're like halfway on the way to making making a good cake. You're getting salt, you're getting oil, you're getting uh not we didn't record this. I'm trying to make a I'm trying to make a zero calorie cake with Splenda. I will report back to you about probably, it. Probably probably sand and sawdust are two things that you'd want to put yeah. in that cake. So it's just binder, you know, it's like yeah. to bind it all together. Yeah. Uh, there's probably calories in sawdust, I would assume. I don't the I don't know. Caloric I guess, dude, intake? I, I, all right. All right. <laughs> All right, we we live in the modern age. How many calories in sawdust? <laughs> the um, first thing that I, came I, up on Google is it Quora? Because mine is a kilogram of dry sawdust has the energy value of about forty eight hundred calories. So don't so uh, one kg. Um, how big is a kilogram? Like, I'm, what do you mean? It depends. Like how? Like a kilogram whoa, of whoa, sand. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, um, I'm on myfitnesspal.com slash community, and it says, uh, this is from April 2013. Uh, subject line, eating sawdust. Uh, this is from Bert Hutz, uh, who has over 3,000 posts on the MyFitnessPal community boards. says, has anyone eaten sawdust as a part of their weight loss journey? For some reason, I think of it as being extremely unhealthy, even though it is very high in insulable <laughs> fiber, is very filling, and has zero calories. Um, hey, everyone, uh, that is not good for you. Like you need like in a weight loss journey, you still need to eat food. Um, food is, is what keeps you alive. And, um, and everything yeah. I'm seeing shows that sawdust has calories. It does. It seems to have some calories. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what kind of sawdust if he's eating his diet sawdust. It can't be good for you. Right. I mean, it just, it can't be. Yeah. Like. God, like, don't, don't do this, everyone. This is your PSA from someone who is also on a weight loss journey right now. Um, instead of doing sawdust, try and make a low calorie cake with Splenda or eat a lot of soup, which is what I'm doing. 
Or, you know, just make sure that you're not, you're, you're making healthy eating choices. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're not eating more calories than that come out. You yeah. still should eat that donut. Eat that donut. Eat that donut. I, what I do is as I track, I go, oh my gosh, I have 300 calories left at the end of my day. It's time to eat some cereal. Uh, like this might be the wrong thing to do, but like when, when I was counting my calories, like very strictly, my yeah. favorite part of the day was like at 10 o'clock at night when yeah. I'm like, when I'm I like, got oh, some extra okay. calories. What can All we right. do with this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also I'll say this. If you're not, I mean, it's expensive. It's, it's actually way like now that, now that like I bought a bunch and I looked at it and I was like, oh, this is actually very expensive. Uh, Halo tops, ice cream. Mm. Incredible. Their peanut butter one. Mm. Incredible. For a pint of it, it's like 300 calories. Um, but the problem mm. is it's $6. So that's, I mean, that'll, but, that's tough. I mean, but money for happiness, you know, think of all the other things you pay, pay for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you just, you throw, you throw, you know, three of those, let's say in your grocery, <laughs> in your grocery cart. But, that's a whole but day not, right there. I'm not monetizing. I'm not, I'm not like going through and like taking a look at my receipt and being like, what costs what here? I mean, like I am sometimes like if I'm trying to say, you know what I'm trying to say? All right. Let's talk about the news, okay? Uh, here's a preview of what's coming up. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Um, we're talking. We, it's a video game show. Happy New Year. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush and another Xbox exclusive game may be coming to the Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation 4 and 5. Ubisoft embraces AI NPCs, among other companies, and we might get, be getting a spinoff TV series for The Last of Us. We're going to talk about those headlines and more. Before we do, I want to tell you that you can join our Discord server. The link to that is in the description of this episode. You can also support us on Patreon, like our wonderful Patreon, patrons, Jay Knoll, GKS, Josh Durham, and Dave Parker. Uh, Dave Parker kicked my ass in uh, our Fantasy League this past year. I did really bad. Um... Redfall fucked me over, and then Fort Solace sort of just sort of sort of made that just, official. Yeah, yeah. Also, I really, really love and appreciate that. Um, what's that game? Stellar Blade got delayed into 2024 on December 30th. That really let me pick up some games. Thanks, Stellar Blade. Was there any chance to get anything? Did anything come out on the no, 30th? Of no, of course not. Of course not, Justin. No, <laughs> obviously not. Shout out, shout out How the Night Silk song for in like, what was it, like March being like, yeah, it's definitely coming later this year, and then just saying nothing, whatever. Um, sorry, I, I was antagonizing our patrons. Uh, if you want additional <laughs> bonus bonus shows every single week, uh, become a $3 deluxe Patreon producer. Um, like like I said, Jane Null, GKS, Josh Durham, and Dave Parker. Uh, this week we're, what are we doing? Uh, talking a lot of Baldur's Gate 3. Um, so if you're interested in that, go ahead and hop over there. Or you can donate $1 a month, become a, a Patre Patreon producer. Um, get your name in the credits here. Uh, we uh, we would appreciate that. If you can't support us monetarily, twitter.com slash hitboxpod. Uh, you can follow us there. And you can rate this episode in your podcast player of choice. Justin, nothing to do in the Metacritic Roundup, but it feels weird if we don't play the song. Can I play the song? I guess the word oh, song please. is, is kind of a generous. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's tradition. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every single episode. So. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. I mean, yeah, nothing. Nothing yet. I think next week is next week Prince of Persia. Was that next the first game begins. release of the year? That, I believe that's it when is it the truly first big starts. Game. And the game of and the then, year is going to be released. And then um, Last of Us Part 2 remastered is like also that week. Oh, uh, I mean, we're going to be talking about this, but there's a few games that are coming up. Devil May Cry Peak of Combat's coming out January 11th. Huh? 
Mamadora Moonlit Farewell is coming out for the PC on January 11th. Radiance, vaguely named, is coming out for the PC. Raven Dawn on January 16th. Atlas Wept on the 17th. And then Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown on January 18th. So. Yeah, so like it's, it's kind of, okay, so that won't even be next week either. So maybe we'll talk about that Devil May Cry thing next week. Who knows? Uh, it depends on what the news looks like. Um, Justin, before we get into the news, and it was a relatively light news week, uh, I've been playing video games. You've been playing video games. We're going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3. I've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3. We're going to talk about that in the bonus show. Is there anything you want to tell the people right now about Baldur's Gate 3 that you've been, that you've been mm, getting up to? I played it a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I, I probably put like the clock says I put on one of my playthroughs, like 27 hours into it. Mm-hmm. And then in my other one, I put about eight and a half okay. hours in, but I'm assuming that it doesn't account for all the times I've reloaded. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. It's just like the consecutive one line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I played a lot. Um, I, I, I like it a lot. I, I, don't know if it's necessarily like at a certain point I'm playing it out of my like obsessive compulsion rather than me playing it out mm. of like I'm truly loving it. Sure, um, sure. And I think I think I, I guess one of the ways to sell the game to people is that you can accomplish anything in that game in a like a, a multitude of different ways. Yeah. And I find I'm having the most fun where I'm like, can I break this encounter? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Not so much like even like doing like the, the the actual like dialogue options for a lot of these things that are extensive. But it's like, can I find a way to get close to this place to push this thing off the edge and will that thing actually kill him? Yeah. Those are the things that I'm enjoying a lot and like trying to do. Um, and it it it's, you know, it's pretty open. It's like, it, it's like a, a, a it's a, Version of D and D where you can only fuck with the dungeon master so much. <laughs> yes, yes, because you know it has to be rigid to a certain extent. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I still think that it, it the way it is open is is um, pretty much unlike anything ever I've played before. Uh, which is like the amount of ways that you can approach encounters, the amount of things that the that the devs thought you would try. I've got um I'm, I'm a wood elf, and so I uh, I have like the ability to speak with animals. And so, like, literally anytime it's like, oh, that's a weird animal. I was just like, I'm just going to talk to him. And, and like, that, I always learn something. And, like, it's wild to me that, like, oh, they thought of that. Or even um, I, I use the spell speak with the dead a lot. If, if there's, like, a character that died that, like, I, I'm curious about, like, hey, what was going on with that? You know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Um, and, like, really just a lot of different characters. I mean, like, everyone I've talked to that has had, like, interesting, unique things to say. I think that's cool. You know what I mean? And like, just it goes into like how open ended that game is. And it feels like they thought of everything in the way that you thought of everything. Uh, I was, uh, I was watching uh, like a TikTok this morning about the, the uh, game uh, director. What's, do you know his name? I forget his name. I'm forgetting his name. Whoever the game director is on uh, on stage. (laughs) Yeah. 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 He's a real one. Uh, But he said that their studio one of the reasons, because not only are they like, do they have all of these different things that they're doing, like the, all these different dialogue path trees and stuff like that, but they're really good at um, dealing with community support, and they're really good at updating things as this game has been released. I mean, it was the Game Award winner for best supported or ongoing game or something like that, right? Might have been. Let me look. I, 
I, th- I, th- I think it did. So while you're looking that up, but he said the reason they do that is because they basically, and this sounds scary with where we're going to be going with conversations later today, their studio basically works 24 hours a day because they have different studios in different parts of the world that run at different time periods. So if in one time zone you have your eight-hour workday, they will start a project and then they'll pass it off to the next studio in a different time zone, and then they'll pass it off in the third time zone. So basically they can do something as far as come up with an idea, program that idea, and test that idea in 24 hours. That's awesome. And it's not that they're overworking their employees by putting them in overtime. It's something as smart and simple as they're spreading their workers out over different time zones so they can work basically nonstop without it being something that's like abusive to their employees, which I thought was that's really such cool. A, that's such a good – yes, they did win, by the way, community support. Um, that, that's such a good um, – like – argument for why work from home like why remote work is like a great idea because it is exactly what you're saying like literally just like have it constantly be going and and then no one is being abused and you can still like crank things out like so fast and if there's an issue that comes up at night where you are you know that there's people out there like right now who are fixing it or doing you know dealing with exactly whatever exactly exactly Um, so yeah uh, again i think i i I think one of the things that I, I think is really impressive about this game is just all of the uh, underneath systems um, yeah. with how this game is actually running and working and the the thought that the developers put into all this stuff, which is oddly the same argument I could make for why uh, Tears of the Kingdom is awesome too. But it's, it's interesting to me because it's also like, uh, it, it is similar but it's different because I look at like Tears of the Kingdom and... What feels cool about that is it feels like you have these moments where you're like, I don't think that the devs intended me to do it like this, but they gave me the tools to be able to solve this problem like this. Whereas it feels like with Baldur's Gate, at least this is just my opinion, it feels like Baldur's Gate is like the devs thought of everything because they wanted you to be able, they they approached every encounter with the tools that you have available, the extensive tools you have available um, in mind, you know what I mean? Whereas Zelda is a little bit more like they built this encounter and they want you to solve it like this, but you're rewarded if you completely skip it by doing this or doing that or whatever. And both I find to be extremely satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so we're going to talk more about Baldur's Gate three in, in our bonus show. Um, cause I have a lot to say about, it. I know you have a lot to say about it. Uh, and believe it or not, it looks really good when you can actually see the characters, uh, in HD with your brand new, um eyeballs i like to think of it as a cyberpunk augmentation my glasses um yeah i'm kind of augmented now like it's no big deal did you start romancing asterian because now you saw him in his 4k beauty 4K glory. <laughs> um, i have not but like he's a character who like um well we're gonna t- i want to talk about romance oh in man that game. i um, man you got to hear about my romance stories man they are so funny yeah. <laughs> i like i wonder am i doing it right because like i like i've gone maybe 10 or 15 hours without having any sort of like in uh, uh what's the word like sex well yeah but then also um like i've gone <laughs> like i haven't had any like momentum with any of those stories it might be because i've been doing a lot of like side quest cleanup stuff but like i feel like i haven't like no one's been like hey like let's talk about our relationship or anything like that. It's all just been like, I just show up. I'm like, Carl, are we cool? But they, they seem to be based off of the main story beats. Oh, okay. like a so lot of like it. the significant romance things, building a relationship obviously is part of it. But like yeah. when you have like your, your meeting, your, your little moments with them, are you an act yeah. two yet? Yeah. Okay. Cool. 
I um, got to a point where it was like, hey, just, you know, if you move, if you do this, um, the world is going to change. So you're going to want to mop up everything you've done. And um, the last time I got to one of those, uh, it was just an empty threat. Nothing changed. Or like if, if something did change, like I'd already completed it, whatever. And so I was like, yeah, that's fine. So I saved before I went in and I did it anyway. And then like as I was getting through the first like little like bit of the cut scene, I was like, let me just look up before I get too deep into this, like what changes. And it basically said like, Hey, if you've not done, if you like, if you want to complete anything in these areas, you, you do it now. And so like, okay, I came here first. So let me go, go back outside. Back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, hold on everyone. I'll be back for this in a little bit. So I'm, I'm doing that now, but, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that in our bonus episode. Uh, Justin, I played a lot of lethal company over the weekend. Ooh. Um, showing, showing my friend and our Patreon producer, Josh, oh. um, producing the show for real. Yeah, for real. Cause it's, it's a great little game. And, um, I, like I think it is like truly a wonderful, uh, canvas and template for just hilarity. Um, and like mis like not miscommunication exactly, but just like, um, it's it's so team teamwork dependent. Um, I don't know. I just, I like it a lot. I, I think it's best best with more people. It's just been the two of us. We played twice over the weekend. Um, but like even though it's just the two of us, like we still do have fun with it. You know. Um, I was I was doing that. I was the guy in the chair. I, I stuck back and hung out on the ship to like tell him where to go. Whatever. Did you put like a um, cigarette hanging off your lip loosely, and you're just yeah, exactly. typing on. Yeah. Yeah. Now you have your glasses too, so you can adjust them it, dramatically. Dude, it totally works. Yeah, yeah. And it's like in Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't have much to say other than like, hey, that's a really fun game, um, and and uh, I, I like it a lot. And I think it's still it's yeah. in early access, right? Um, I don't know. Let me let's take a look here. Open it up, Steam, real quick. Um, if you're not familiar, though, it is it is. It, Sorry, I don't think I did a good recap. It's like a, it's like a comedy horror game. It's it's more <laughs> just like a it's 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 a game. It's like a multiplayer horror game where you um have to like search for treasure and um and but like in order to best get the treasure and stuff like that, you need to um let's see here. It is in um regular update version 47 i don't know if it's in 1.0 or not doesn't doesn't really no i'm not immediately finding the answer here but it, it's like it's it's still early i would say um but you're basically you're, you're finding these this treasure and um trying to avoid being killed by monsters but the best way to avoid by being killed by monsters is having uh like one person stay on the ship and like guide you through the areas that you're walking through um but you have to like manage like having a walkie talkie and manage the battery level of the walkie talkie and, and some of the monsters, like it only uses proximity chat. It's like some of the monsters will hear you. If you speak, some of them are afraid of the, you, if you speak. Um, so it's just like, you got to like figure out what to do with each monster and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, it's fun. It's like, cute. I can uh, only imagine playing with Archie here and he just randomly hears a, a car door close and he starts barking and all the monsters just attack me at once. Yeah, I'm sure it, it would not be ideal, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, um, it looks like it game. is in early access. IGN did a review on, uh, of it on November 29th and gave it a 70 as an early access score. I think that's fair. So. Um, it's a pretty buggy game sometimes. It's a little janky, but like I think that's part of the charm of it. Um, but I can certainly imagine it being uh, improved by by getting that full full release. Uh, and they're just like constantly adding new stuff to it, so it's cool. 
Um, and then the other game, Justin, I've been playing this week is uh, Resident Evil 4, the original one. I'm working on a video about it. Um, and damn, is that a good game? It is. It's a really, really, really good, un- very unnerving horror game. Where are you at in it? Um, I just got Ashley. So I'm like two hours in. <sighs> I just don't good, get man. it, man. I just don't it's get good. it. It's good. I don't get the, it. That is a, it's scary, dog. It's it's quite it's quite scary. I don't like having to turn corners because that's difficult. But other than that, it plays like a charm. <laughs> it's like I never left. Like I never left. Um, that's that's a that's a very good game. Um, still this, it's still the better than the remake. I think so. Um, I I I would say it is. But um, I don't think the remake is bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, just, I think that like like the remake loses a lot uh, just in trying to modernize it um, that I that I think it in some places just misunderstands what makes the original one so good. And I understand like like not even just with like the controls and whatever, but like the story or like the characters or some of those encounters, I think, are just better in, in the original one. Um, but the re- remake is still quite a good game. Justin, you want to talk about the news? Let's do it. We are um, we're eyeballing our podcast today. We did not fill out our, our current like our, our tracker sheet. So I'm, I'm going from the seat of my pants here. So if, if I make some errors, please forgive me. But Justin, the first thing I want to talk with you about is that apparently Hi-Fi Rush is going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation consoles um, soon. Uh, there have been rumors about it uh, circling for the past like two days or so. And then literally right before we sat down, uh, I, I saw this article here um, or not an article. This this report here showing that in Australia, Hi-Fi Rush has been classified for the Switch and the PlayStation 5 um, or PlayStation 4. So I assume PlayStation 5 as well to follow. Uh, what do you think about this? Good. Great. Great. <laughs> like, I don't know why um, people are I, I, this is controversial, but yeah. I mean, like, if you like this game and you have uh, Game Pass, guess what, everyone? It's still there. Yeah, still play it on Game Pass. Like, it's still great. Not, it's not gone. Um, I I always think like the the Call of Duty argument always comes back to me. Like, Microsoft is not going to keep Call of Duty off every platform because they can make more money by putting it. Make more more money. They like they like having money, and if you take away half the people who can buy the game um they can't buy the game <laughs> and and similar with this like and, and you know call of duty what's that oh go ahead the call of duty is one thing but but for me like a game like this i want more games like this and i want tango Gameworks to be able to if they have more of this in in the pipeline not like hi-fi rush specifically but like if they have more ideas in the pipeline that like they get to like try out and do weird stuff like i want them to be able to do that so and, and if you also want them to be able to do that, you should want this game to sell more copies so that they can have more money and, and be able to prove, like show off to to investors and to, to Microsoft and whatever and say, hey, people want more of this. People want this. So let us make more. Um, and if you do remember, um, this was I believe I forget when it was last year, but Jeff Grubb reported about how. Uh, people were disappointed with the high fiber sales numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. uh 
if people are disappointed with sales numbers, guess what's not going to happen? We're not getting that sequel that we all want. We all want to see where this goes next. I want more. I want it to make money. And also, like, what, what's people are have heard about this game for a year when it like surprise dropped and then now it's won a handful of game awards like i I think that like there's no reason to to not want this elsewhere um and and, you know if if this is their plans if this if these are their sort of plans moving forward about like okay you know a game can be exclusive for a year let's say and then we'll drop it elsewhere like i think that's a great plan and a great model you know like i don't know like like i think that that like is kind of the best of both worlds for justifying having bought an Xbox or, or having game pass on PC or, or wherever. And then like, I don't like, do you know what I'm saying with that? Like, I just, I think that's a good model and I like, I, I like how that works. Yeah. And I, and I think it's ultimately what is going to make the most money. Um, and I think anytime like for Xbox specifically, remember game pass ain't cheap. It ain't free. It's a lot of money that they have to pay these companies to do this. Even if they do own the company, they're still literally paying to have a game released for free on their on their streaming platform, right? Like yeah. it's it, it's still something that is going to cost the money in any way that you can make sure you get a return on that investment. And for a game that is pretty critically well regarded like Hi-Fi Rush, the more people who play it, the better things are going to be. Yeah, a thousand percent. Uh, similarly, it looks like um, Eurogamer here is reporting. I don't know. Uh, uh, is there oh from oh game mess morning? I guess uh, Jeff Grubb says that um, Sea of Thieves is also potentially going to be coming to Switch and PlayStation. Which hey, that's a great idea. <laughs> like that's an like that's an incredible multiplayer game. Um, and to be able to have that on everything, like if there's like cross uh, uh, play and stuff like that, like do this. This is such a good idea. Um, and see if these like to me, like this is a great, like, uh, uh, game f- for like, uh, like not to be, not to be reductive, but like this to me is a great game for kids. Do you know what I mean? Kids who are into Minecraft and exploring and playing games together and doing whatever, like, and, and in my experience, a lot of kids have switches, you know what I mean? And play Minecraft together on their switches and just like hang out playing on switch. And so, yeah, throw this on there get everyone together, like in the same room to, to play Sea of Thieves together. Like that sounds awesome, man. I don't know. Like, I, I feel parties. like there's not much to this story. Yeah, I, like I was actually just thinking about like I remember when like people would like bring a bunch of TVs over, like hook a bunch of Xbox 360s up together, like nothing better. Playing some oh. Halo Three. Oh my Come god. On. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I mean, like the, there's not much to this story. I feel like that you or I have to add because it's just like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> um, game, which is, is game company. Game companies do what makes them the most money. Yeah, and they'll and, keep and sometimes, doing that. So, and sometimes that's good for people who want to play more games. It's not always the case, though. Um, here's something. So Ubisoft, this is an article from Digital Trends titled Ubisoft Tencent will begin using NVIDIA's AI-generated NPC tools by uh, Gio Colantino. Colantonio? I've actually never said his name out loud before. Um, Digital Trends, we've talked about. I, I'm a big fan of their gaming um, branch here. And I'm just going to read you a little bit of this. Uh, I, I think that this article is going to be able to be be a little bit more succinct and and detailed than I could be, but just like reciting it off memory. Uh, So it says this NVIDIA announced an expansion of its previously revealed AI game making tool NVIDIA ACE at CES 2024. Now available to partners as ACE production microservices, gaming companies will be able to use specific pieces of multifaceted tool of the multifaceted tool that's capable of generating AI generated video game characters. Ubisoft and Tencent are among the first major studios utilizing the process. 
NVIDIA ACE is a platform that allows creators to generate non-playable characters via AI. NVIDIA achieves this with several different tools. Characters can be dynamically rendered into a game scene, and an audio lip sync tool can make it so that their mouths match up to what they're saying. The tool is also able to translate player speech to text, feed it to an AI NPC, and spit out a response via a separate text-to-speech tool. In short, it can create fully voiced dynamic video game characters. Um... I, I, I want to read more of this. There's not more, much more here, but I, I think it's worth worth uh, talking about here. Uh, while NVIDIA ACE itself isn't new, the microservice opens the entire pipeline up to partners. Now, developers can use one piece of the tool set rather than the full closed system. As part of the announcement, NVIDIA revealed that several big-name publishers are already on board. Both Ubisoft and Tencent are partners, though, it currently, though it's currently unclear how each publisher intends to use the service. Other partners include Charisma, Convi, InWorld, NetEase, Arpalm, Uniki and Genshin Impact developer Mihoyo. Also unclear is what data Ace is trained on. When we asked about the data set to use generating, uh, excuse me, when we asked about the data set use to generate writing and voices, NVIDIA noted that, quote, there's no simple answer, end quote. It pointed out that it's using several AI tools within ACE, and each one can be trained on different data sets. It's likely not the firm answer that opponents of AI in video games want to hear, even if it's a common refrain in the tech space. For instance, NVIDIA's stance leaves questions about whether or not the tool is trained on voice actors who have willingly agreed to use their voices for AI. ACE's potential integration into major titles by a company like Ubisoft is sure to spark some conversations among artists who seemingly can't be assured that their work isn't a part of training data. Justin, what do you think of this? Uh, it's it's murky. Um, I, I still like wonder who can regulate this. <laughs> yep. Like, I, I think it is such a gray area of who's in control of doing this and who's not in control of doing it. Like, it, if, like say, the U.S. government comes in and starts to try to regulate the use of AI and things like these for companies, well, they're just going to leave yep. <laughs> the United States just, they, yep. they, they, they get out of there. Um, and I don't think that's great for um, business in America, personally. Um, but if... if no one steps up and it becomes the bigger person and starts to take the hit. No one's ever going to try to try to regulate this stuff. Cause like, what are the legal protections for this stuff? No one knows. No one knows. And, and to your point though, like who's going to step up and, and do something that's going to be bad for commerce in America. Not a single fucking politician of ours. Are you kidding me? No. Not a single one, you know? So yeah, I, I think that this is going to go pretty largely unregulated. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't like this. I mean, we, we've talked about this. Like, I, I think I said this before we started recording, like, I, like all of this stuff makes me nervous. Um, I, like I just worry about the layoffs that happen to artists who are being replaced by AI things are not even just artists, but like writers and stuff like that. Just today or yesterday, we heard about Duolingo, um, letting go a bunch of its core team, um, for in, in favor of using AI. Um, and, and like, it's just, it's just pretty bleak, man. Like, yeah, like an AI can teach you how to use language, but like, like there is a element of human, like of humanity that needs to be in, in part of companies and teaching and, and learning and all that sort of stuff. I don't know. Like uh, to me, uh, the prevalence of AI has been a, I've, I have noticed a misunderstanding of what AI should be used for. And obviously this is my opinion, uh, but I said this before we started recording, you don't use a hammer to cut a piece of wood. You can, but you're not going to cut evenly, right? You're not going to like be able to use that wood for a project. 
you're just you're using the wrong tool for what the task is required. We need writers. We need human writers to create meaningful dialogue in video games, right? We do. And AI can help those writers create things, but it should, in my opinion, be a tool for creatives as opposed to replacing creatives outright. Um, I don't know. What like? Do you have any other? Does that say, speak anything to you? I think it's it, it's it's a scary slow process here. Um, yeah. I think, uh, unfortunately, I'm an English teacher. Everyone, so I'm saying this as an English teacher. Yeah. People don't read yep they don't um and uh this is you're you're looking at uh, kids growing up in grade schools to high schools they just don't you you have you have honors and ap level kids who do anything but read the books that they're supposed to read um you know students who are, are good at getting past that kind of like being able to not read um and like they're able to write obviously they've probably read at some point in their life to be (laughs) good enough to to be able to do that and stuff like that like it it still happens to be successful but people don't read anymore people look to get information as quick as possible um and i mean i'm one of those people i don't read the newspaper every day um Mm -hmm. i don't I, i get most of my news through uh news alerts on my apple watch or uh twitter um sure and stuff which i know can be a very complicated mess of truth and what's not true but that's where i get most of my news and um yeah yeah you can have tweets that are longer than 140 characters now so like (laughs) uh but i i I think it's scary to think about when like with what my job is like i literally teach people how to do english yeah and we don't teach people grammar anymore we don't teach people vocab anymore um vocab is not our curriculum if we do do a vocab unit it's so like out of like left field for what kids need and things like that because there's so many other things that seem to get the priority that we have to like get them but like how can you read if you can't identify words yeah how can you write if you don't have a vocabulary pool to pull from how can you do any of this stuff if you don't you know even want to engage with reading or spend the time reading and doing all this kind of stuff and the reason I say this is because when people are looking at using AI, they're looking at ways to automate tasks and do it as easy as possible to get information to people as easy and quick as possible right. um, and cheap as possible because a lot of the times AI is cheaper than paying a full salary with health insurance. A thousand percent. Now, to the big companies obviously taking that out of it, for like a small content creator, I'm sure AI tools really help the small individual content creator out there a little bit. Um, yeah. it'll, it opens avenues to them that they didn't have before. It allows them to do things before. Like even thinking about something as simple as like doing a, being a YouTuber, if you told someone 15 years ago, like, all right, you're going to make your money all on YouTube, that would have been a Herculean task for that person to do a very expensive task for them to do. Now anyone can be a YouTuber with a, an iPhone. Um, yeah. and I know you, you make the argument that iPhones are expensive, but they're so commonplace. Like your, your cell phone company basically throws phones at you so you can use them. But like, it is so much easier to do that kind of stuff now. Um, and it's so much more accessible now. And I think AI has the great ability to make things accessible to more people, but that does come at the cost of, replacing people and work and jobs with AI and for companies to literally make that assumption that make that that assumption make that call that it's more effective to have this poorly written AI stuff than it is to have writers do this kind of stuff 
Um, it's we're at this like weird part, and I thought it would be come a little bit more clear as we're going on, but it's just becoming more and more complicated and scary with what it can do, um, and how people and companies can use it, and what people are classifying as AI. Because I still couldn't even tell you exactly what AI is at this point. It's it's one of those things where like like we have at least I have a understanding of AI from like movies as a kid, right? Like. Uh, of just like fully sentient people, but they're, you know, machines. Right. But that's not what it is. Right. And, and it gets sort of like conflated a lot of the time uh, with that sort of stuff. Cause that's like what we have a general understanding of what it is in terms of the like media and fiction and whatever. But like in real life, it is very much not that, <laughs> you know, it, it's like, it's basically just the predictive text feature on your phone. You know what I mean? That's saying like, when you write the word like I, then it's like, is it like am or I think, or I will, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, it's basically just like a glorified one of those. Um, but then when it comes to like, like art and stuff like that, like it just, I just think it's so dicey and, and like, in my opinion, it, it's shit. <laughs> it's, it is bad. I've not seen anything that, um, I, I, I've not seen a single piece of AI art of AI writing that, that I have found to be, um, particularly good or, um, interesting. You know what I mean? And, and I just don't think, it's ever going to get there. Um, because I, I think that like for the most part, like, yeah, it'll get better, but I, I don't think that it, it can't think, do you know what I mean? Like how, how does it can't do like proper, like the things that I appreciate about like a good writer or a good speaker or whatever is like proper analysis. Right. It, I don't know if AI can do analysis because I, I don't know if it can make proper connections, you know what I mean? And understand what's meaningful about connections or understand like the nuance of something, you know what I mean? Like I, we, we can talk about subtext, right? Like can AI understand subtext? Can AI talk about subtext? Probably not. Right. Because it's not there. It's like implied, you know what I mean? But I guarantee you, I could get AI to write a better essay than my best freshman essay that I read this for my finals. Yeah. I, and I agree but eventually that freshman will grow up and be able to write a much, much better essay than that AI will ever be able to do. Um, do you, know, you know what I mean? I, this, this might sound, I don't want to be a negative Nancy here, but I, I actually don't think not everyone could. Well, not, not everyone could, but, but yeah. like, I, I think that like they will. And, and also, but like, like to me, like not everyone is, is meant to be a writer. Do you know what I mean? Not everyone is meant to be an artist. I'm not meant to be an artist. Are you kidding me? Um, but like, I, I think I'm meant to be a writer, you know? And I grew up and said, I love writing. I love analysis. I love, you know, media criticism and all this sort of stuff. And so like, that's what I do now, you know? But like, I can't make art, but I don't think that AI art looks very good or has any meaning. So I like real art. Does that make sense? I mean, do you think that a traditional canvas and paintbrush artist was skeptical when uh, 3D computer art started coming out? Um, possibly, but I would argue that now that we are deep into that, right, into like 3D art or like digital art or whatever, um, I I think any artist would be able to say like, either different mediums in the same way that canvas is different than paper, right? Or charcoal is different than paint. I would say that that's just a different medium. And I would say that AI art is not a different medium. It, I mean, like, unless it just, it's not a different medium. It's, it's, 
wanting to be digital art. And I think most people that I've seen at least is just my experience, but most people who are like out here taunting and, and not taunting, but like lauding saying like, Oh my gosh, look at this incredible AI art. It's like, they're, they're trying to have it be viewed on the same medium as digital art, you know? Yeah. Would you I agree I, or do you disagree? I, it's not that I necessarily disagree. I, I mm-hmm. feel like AI is a tool and yeah. right now we're still in a place where we need to have a user to make a tool. Um, yeah. Just like you could have any human have a pen, but the right human with a pen can, you know, change the world. Just yeah. like the right person with AI could make art. Well, I, I guess that's what I'm saying, though, too, is like I use AI in Photoshop when I use um, um, generative fills or when I'm using um, it's called like the pound, like I think it's like the pound stamp key. Basically, like. It's it takes a look and says like I think that this is the person and you want to cut them out from the background. Like it, was, it just says like I think this is the person. That's a great tool for me to use, right? The gen like the generative fill is a great tool for me to use. It just takes a look at the picture and says like yeah, like if we want to like cut this out, like this is what I think would kind of go here based on like what's like in the background, right? I think that's a great tool, but like that's a tool that I'm using and that I'm saying I want to use that tool, that AI tool right here. Right. And as a tool for me, that's great. But like as a substitute for me and for my vision and for my eyes and my knowledge of like design and whatever else, like it just like it just can't make anything that I would want it to make, you know? I mean, but it could if you manipulate the tool in that way. Well, like it could if I said I want like, like it could by my by me using it as a tool in the same way that I use the select tool it cannot replace me and make the same thumbnail that I would make because they don't understand what makes like good thumbnails you know what I'm saying oh no yeah no I don't disagree with that but you could have someone who programs that AI or inputs stuff into that AI AI to make a thumbnail maybe not like your thumbnail but they could still input it to make it. The, it's not like, to me, it's not like these things, and, and I think at least the way companies are, are defining this, it's not like AI is doing this stuff on its own. You still need a human being to type in this kind of stuff to initiate that idea. But they are, but they are having it, it do stuff on its own, right? Of like, yes, you need a person to input to like write in like, oh, I want, the, the Apex Legends and EA just got in trouble for this, of, of using AI art, Um yeah, you need someone to say like, okay, well, we want a picture of this character from the game uh, holding the. So they're typing, right? Like, I want an image of this character from this game with a black background holding this item and you know posing, looking like this. You have to have someone typing that in, obviously. But then at at a certain point, then the company's just like, that's great, and they just print it, right? They're just like, oh, the the AI generated this image, print it. Yeah, you need one guy typing that in, but they're using that one guy typing that in as a replacement for an actual artist saying like, I can make this like this. And that AI tool could be useful for them to say like, I can't figure out how to make the, like, I need a reference for this. Let's take a look at what we can do there. Or like, oh, I need to use this as a fill for the background. Let's, let's just, we can use AI as a tool for that because it's a tool, right? But it's not a stand in for a person to, to make something, right? Do you, does, like, does that make sense? Do you, no, do you understand it, what I'm it saying? It does. I think, because I think like right now, like, and I see this a lot in the, in the field of education because yeah. like the people at these conferences um, keep talking about how AI could be a tool that students use to improve their writing. 
that they can be used to improve what they're doing and being a student? How can we use this new tool to make them better writers and better students and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, at a certain point, the artist is the one who would draw that image that for yeah. in, in the thing that you're talking about. But eventually, don't we need to start training the people who are inputting that stuff into the AI to draw that thing? And isn't that a skill that's a different skill set from the artist who's drawing it? They're both creating a similar product, but both require different skills to use. Um, I, I'm not sure if I understand. Uh, here, here's maybe a, a, an easier way to talk about this that I think might be a little bit clearer. Um, I use AI when I write. I use Grammarly, which is a word processor, right? <laughs> Essentially, that takes a look at like my spelling mistakes and whatever. It, it, like, it's not marketed, at least I don't think so. At least when I got it <laughs> in 2020, it was not marketed as AI. Maybe it is now, right? But it's a great tool for me to use for it to say like, hey, this is actually a compound word. Hey, this word's actually hyphenated. Hey, you don't need a comma here, whatever. Um, but what also it, it can do is it can say like, hey, we read through your whole piece and um, it sounds really judgmental or it sounds really aggressive in the way that you've written this. And so what I can then do is, you know, this is an AI just saying like, you know, you're using these words like, that come across this certain way. I can then use that because it's a tool and go, oh, okay, I'm going to change how I personally, the writer, want to make this uh, uh, sound different, right? I think that's a really useful way to use the tool of AI. What I don't think is a useful way to use the tool of AI is to say, write me an essay about this because it's not going to be a very good, well-written well essay because it just can't be because they just don't, create solid prose or solid text. Does that make sense? So, so how does that apply to, to what you're so, saying? So like, to what I'm saying then, so yeah, yeah. if I am someone who knows how to type the right commands into ChatGPT, if yeah. I know how to type in the right sentence stems, the right um, specific questions, the right compound things, the right revision things, and you can manipulate that AI that's not good, just generally first draft AI stuff into something that could pass as actual writing, it's still using the tool of AI, but it's requiring me, the person, to put in the proper code and in, in the proper commands and the proper prompts yeah. in order for it to write it. And I'm not saying that, like, that's what we should do, mm -hmm. but now that we have this AI, those people are going to be valuable, just as, valu as valuable as the artist is. And the scary thing, I, want, I don't like saying this, but the artist was. Because if you can find someone to use the tool of AI in order to program something that becomes art that is unique, creative, and designed by a human with a different tool rather than a pen and paper, isn't that still it, like a it, skill? But it can't be unique. Because AI is trained, it's, it's stealing, right? It's trained exclusively on pre-existing work. So it literally cannot be unique. It cannot be non-derivative, right? Because it cannot create anything from nothing in the way that we can, right? Like it can't sit and say like, I'm going to make this because I feel like this, or I'm going to create this character because I was inspired by this. It only says, AI can only say, I'm going to take all of these things and just copy them and, and, and remake them. So, so there's that. And then also I would argue that like, yeah, you can train someone to to learn how to like manipulate AI and, and create stuff like that. But like at a certain point and and then they would have to like proofread and make sure that it's like well written and and like is following like what they're wanting uh uh the like art like article or essay or whatever to say. But like at a certain point, why not just make that person write it? 
Because that person, yeah, I mean, if, if, if they have to, like, proofread a fucking other draft of something and they're already having to get, like, really granular with, like, their inputs and stuff, like, why not just have them be a writer? Because they're probably a decent writer if they're having to proofread and make sure that, like, what the AI is saying is, like, accurate and all that sort of stuff anyway. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Well, and then doing that, though, that becomes back to what you were saying about how you're using Grammarly to help you be a better writer. Yeah. Right. Where, where it's, it's just like at a certain point, like it's going to get so granular that like the person like putting the AI prompts in is just writing the essay. So like just have them write the essay or write the write the, the article or whatever. But um, speaking of AI, though, if I may transition us a little bit, have you heard of this game? Uh, <laughs> Infestation 88. <laughs> very, so, very little. Why don't you explain to us? <laughs> so um, the AI connection here is is that uh, th- there is some controversy surrounding this that we're going to jump into here. Um, but so basically, uh, uh, one of the controversies, perhaps maybe at this point, one of the lesser controversies <laughs> is um, that they were using uh, AI voice acting for, for their game, um, which they have then come back and said that uh, it is uh, uh, a placeholder uh voice acting and that it will be adding like real voice acting in the future. Um, which I think, um, to me, AI voice acting like that, uh, I I wouldn't do it for a game that I I think, I don't know if this is an early access or anything like that. Oh no, it's just got the trailer. Um, I think, but like to me, yeah, AI voice acting is, is as like, gosh, it can't not be stealing because all AI is stolen art. And that's just how these models work. But like, as an in-house tool to say like it will sound kind of like this once the game is done i think is a decent tool but it's not a replacement for having a human person voice but basically they were using ai uh, as as placeholder voice acting and that was kind of controversial but that's not the real controversy here um i guess where do you even start with this so steamboat willie is like the disney guy he's like he's like at the it's beginning like Mickey, of all it's those, like Mickey. It's, it's like, Mickey like where Mouse, Mickey came right? from. Yeah. yeah. So he's he uh, the character is is uh, part of the public domain as of J- uh, January 1st. And so literally on January 1st, there were all these trailers for these like really low budget, low effort, like horror games and, and horror movies using Steamboat Willie, the character, because it's the, the edgiest thing you could possibly do with the character that's in the public domain is make them kill people and cover them in blood. Um, well, <laughs> Infestation 88 is um a a sort of multiplayer horror game that uses uh that one of the the monsters that i think you're coming in and killing is um a like decrepit version of like a steamboat willy mascot well (laughs) believe it or not Hmm. some people thought that having your game be called infestation 88 and be a multiplayer game where you kill rats is um, a little uh, has some uncomfortable parallels and connections to uh, Nazis, because um, if you don't know, I I mentioned this when I was talking to you about this. Like I kind of knew this in like the peripheral of my mind, but it's not something I ever it's like, like I heard about, it. Yeah. yeah, but eighty eight is is sort of like internet. Um, um, it's like an internet call sign for Nazis to find each other because eight uh, the eighth letter of the alphabet is H, and so H H. Obviously, I'm not gonna say that because I don't want anyone to fucking clip this, but um. It's a it's a phrase that they use. <laughs> and um, so people were kind of like had some alarm bells go off again because um, uh, you're you're killing rats in this game like like mice, which is something that um, Nazis called the people that they wanted to kill. 
um, and and use it as a way to dehumanize the, uh, those people, whether it was you know Jewish people or, or whoever else. Um, so everyone was like, this this trailer came out. Everyone was like, haha, this like looks kind of funny as like a as a scary game. And then everyone was like, um, is this a secret Nazi game? <laughs> and um, after all of that happened, the the studio called Nightmare Forge Games uh, changed the name of the game to uh, Infestation Origins which I think is also a bad title because it's just not a very good title, but whatever. Um, basically, they said that so dumb. they uh, they said our game Infestation 88 is set in the 1980s with the year 1988 being chosen simply due to its symmetrical design in the game's artwork slash logo. Unfortunately, we were unaware of any additional meanings of the that the number 88 has. However, after learning about this, we're changing the game's name to Infestation Origins. We apologize for our ignorance on this and appreciate that this was brought to our attention so that we could address it ASAP. Um... They said in a statement to Eurogamer that we strongly stand against Nazism and hate in any form. It's one of those things where it is unclear. I mean, like, like to me, I think this could be a mistake that a, a studio could make. You know what I mean? Like that this is all coincidence. I think that 88 as a, as a, you know, sign for, for, um, uh, like a call sign for Nazis and stuff online to me, as, as a not a Nazi, I don't think about that because I don't think like it's just not something that's ever like, you know, come into my life in ever. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think about uh, all of this? Yeah, I think it is um, one of those things that the reaction of the company would have told you what they thought of this. Right. If they like dug in the sand and were like, no, this name means something completely different. This is not what the game stands for. We're keeping it like that. Um that doesn't necessarily mean they're Nazis, but it would tell me that they have questionable, uh, questionable critical thinking skills. <laughs> yes. Um, if they went and changed it to uh, Infestation Origins, to me, that tells me that, oh, we made a mistake. <laughs> and yes. that they're going to do something about that. Because I feel like people make mistakes all the time. Uh, people say insensitive things by accident. Um, people say things that are potentially offensive to someone or a group of people. And there's two ways to go about that statement, being insensitive or saying something off color. Uh, you can dig your heel in the sand and say that nothing is wrong, or you hear what the criticism is, process that and think, Hmm, do I want what I say to make people upset? <laughs> no, of course not. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Um, so, you know, good on them for changing this. Um, if they are, uh, secretly a, um, you know, Nazi group, uh, I think that would be pretty obvious of them to, if they, if they had that as their name, um, I hope they're yeah. the worst, but if they right, just it, right. made a mistake, 88, I mean, I'm like, think about whenever you're coming up with a username for something or you're coming up with a password or whatever, you think of like something that you're going to kind of remember something that has a ring to it or whatever, right, put random right. numbers after it. Um, one of my Neopets was named blazer 1062 blazer was not <laughs> yeah, because of the whole, of the whole pop thing folks, because I thought fire was cool as a child and 1062 were random numbers that sounded cool. Right. Exactly. And like, like 88, like exactly. They talk about like it's symmetrical, whatever, 1988. Sure. Um, the, the other part about this that, that kind of like sprung alarm bells for people is that they claimed that they're a studio made up of industry veterans, but they did not say who any of their team is and they did not say what anyone else has worked on. So people were like, oh, man, they're trying to hide the fact, you know, who they are because they're making this Nazi game. 
And then now they've said that the studio was asked to reveal more about its previous work as the developers have remained anonymous so far. Um, and it basically followed up by saying for private, this is to uh, Eurogamer uh, that they, I think they found this in their discord server um, saying for privacy reasons, we're not comfortable revealing any personal information at this time, especially after this assumption of Nazi association, which I'll say loud and clear Nazis suck. We're against, against hate in all form. We don't want people online coming for us personally um, or in our other games. So like, it's, it's another like layer of this of like, yeah, okay, now if a bunch of people like only hear half this story and assume that the developers of this game are Nazis, then yeah, I think being remaining anonymous right now is the way to go, right? But the, the double-edged sword of that is like, but if you were a Nazi, that's what you'd want. <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 there's so many layers to it, but um, I, I think, I think what you said to me is, is the way to, to look at this of like, people make mistakes. I could make this mistake. And I would recognize how fucking bad that looks. And I think that their response to this, in my opinion, has been appropriate and has been like, like it's, it's exactly it's exactly what you said. If they were true, if they really were Nazis, and which they might be, I don't know. But like, like I'm, I'm not saying either way. But if they were, I would absolutely see why they would like dig their heels and say like, no, we're calling this 88 because we because like, it's important to the game. But like they changed it. Like I don't know. It's to be seen. I imagine we'll never hear about this video game ever again. This looks like low quality, like Twitch reaction games. But like, uh, so we all said about Baldur's Gate. We sat here a year ago. We heard about this early access game, Baldur's it's Gate. True. And we said this game is made by a bunch of Nazis. It was, what did we? What? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Is that, what, is that what? I don't remember that. I, are you talking about because it was supposed to be Google Stadia exclusive or what? <laughs> Can you imagine the world we would have lived in where Baldur's Insane. Gate 3 was a Stadia exclusive and they canceled, like, they, you couldn't literally play it anywhere else? Do you think, do you think that it, law, like, do you think it would have, if it, if it went through with that and Stadia didn't die, do you think it would be, receive any of the praise it's gotten? Like, some, for the people who played and reviewed it, right? But, like, do you think it would, like, have broken into the mainstream like this? No, no right? I, no, no, I think this game, like, got attention once it got high reviews and then it, it also was one of those things that picked up steam and got more and more popular as it came on as more and more people played it. Um, and I think with it being on PC that this, I mean, this like PC, this game is made for PC Same you and me who are playing it on fucking console with our radial menus. And when I like, I would much rather play this on PC, I would much rather play this for the first time. I never happened in my entire life. Yep. I watched someone play it on PC and I was like, Oh my God, that would be so much easier. Like the inventory is up there. Oh my God. You you can just hover your mouse over a status condition and like know what it means. And not have to like look it up a thousand percent, (laughs) a thousand percent. Um, Justin, this is here's some some bad news. Um, according to Steven Totillo, uh, this is a look at um, gaming jobs in, in 2022, 2023, and then perhaps what's to come in 2024. Um, in 2022, again, this is to Steven Totillo. He used to be a reporter for Axios and MTV News and Kotaku's editor in chief for a while. Uh, he's now uh, gone independent. Um, but he said he tweeted this. While it's been widely reported that 2023 was brutal for uh, was a brutal year for game developers. New research from at decaf. Um, this is I don't know who this is. Uh, professional schmuck at Riot Games. Don't know why or what. Um, but uh, it shows that 2022 was atrocious as well. So uh, 10,500 gaming jobs lost in 2023. 8,500 lost in 2022. So. Uh, today, before we started recording, Unity announces, I'm just going to read this verbatim. 
On January 8th, 2024, Unity Software Inc. announced that it plans to reduce approximately 1,800 employee roles or approximately 25% of its current workforce as it restructures and refocuses on its core business and to position itself for long-term and profitable growth. So we are eight days into the year. We are already at 1,800 people, I think, have been or are going to be laid off by Unity. This sucks. What? Do you, where are you with this, man? I mean, this is a disturbing trend in this industry. Yeah. Um, and then you add that directly with what we were talking about before um, with uh, things being replaced by AI and things like that. Um, yeah. At a certain point, like companies look at numbers rather than people. I mean, yep. they, they big companies specifically look at numbers rather than people. And yep. and people, guess what? Good good work costs money to keep good work. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it costs these companies a lot of money to do that. And you know, all those people who are talking about how what great of a year 2023 was for video games. Um, and all the people who followed up with what about what it meant for the video game industry. I think that is a valid concern. I think that is a real concern. Um, I, I mean, uh, who would want to go into the video game industry? I feel like being in the video game industry has a lot of parallels with being a teacher. Like, can you imagine talking to a game dev and being like, hey, should I get into game design? They'd probably tell you, like, and they go like, fuck <laughs> no. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. Just it's like, the most fulfilling thing I've ever done in my entire life, but no, don't do that. Yeah, don't just like if you, if you ask a teacher the same exact thing, they would say the yes. same exact thing. Great. It's wonderful working with kids. I cannot recommend you going to this job. Yes. Um, and so you told me? Like, I'm sorry. Like, straight up. No, dude. No, but, but like, that's the thing. It's, it's like looking back at it, I, I had conversations with you. I wanted to be a teacher. And you didn't you didn't tell me no but you you told me the realities of what the job is and i'm so thankful that you did because i think i would be unhappy you know what i mean and i'm happy doing what i'm doing now right um but i i think like you hearing that from you i was like oh my gosh like okay if that's what the actual job is that you know the part they don't tell you about because i think that's important like i need to figure out something else out you know what i mean and I yeah did. yeah but um, like that that only hurts because dude you'd have been a great teacher I think so too. I mean, I don't mean, I think I would have been a good teacher. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you need good people to do that, but I find it hard. Like, I mean, you're an example, but like whenever someone says they want to be a teacher, you have to have that awkward conversation with them. Like, why yeah. do you want to be a teacher? And is there anything else that you can do <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that can still make you affirmed in that same way? Um, and, and be yeah, happy. And I, 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 I want to have good colleagues, but it's hard and we have but teacher I, I shortages, job shortages. It's a mess. It's important though, for people to know what they're getting into when they do a job. Right. I, I, I think like to me, I think the biggest blunder of my, that, that, uh, North central college where I went to school, the worst thing that they did is that they did not have someone who was a journalist, a working journalist in the year 2020. When I graduated, they did not have someone come into class. Okay. Not in 2020. Cause it was all, you know what the fuck I'm saying? They should have had someone show up and say, I am in this field right now. I did not work in this field in, you know, 1980. I work in it now. Here's what it is like right now. I was never even prepped. No one even mentioned the word freelancing never, never came up in college for me. Insane. Because I know that I'm in a unique position as a games journalist, right? As someone working in games. 
But everyone else I've talked to that I went to school with was like, yeah, I freelanced. I cannot believe that that didn't come up. So, but I, what I'm trying to say is like, I think it is important for everyone going into a workforce to know what it's like to work in that workforce, right? And so being a teacher is no different. There are downsides to being a teacher. There are upsides, sure. But like, same for me. Like I, if I could talk to some, if I could tell someone myself, like, Hey, this is what it's going to be like to work in that, that field. You have to understand that like you are going to make sacrifices because of what you want to do. Are you comfortable with that? It's going to be like that everywhere. Right. But like, you have to understand here are these specific sacrifices you're going to have to make. And what I got out of the conversation I had with you about being a teacher was you said, basically, here are the specific sacrifices you'd have to make. Here's what you get out of it. But these are, are, are you cool with this? And I said, no, right. Being a game dev, I have to imagine is, is the same conversations, right? And that list of sacrifices has to be just like astronomical, man. I mean, you hear about crunch, you hear about, I mean, just like job insecurity, right? Um, it, you have to deal with the fucking community of gamers who all, I mean, listen, people who listen to podcasts, it's a hitbox podcast. You guys are all cool, but I'm on Twitter. I've had, I've believe it or not seen the gamers in my job. And not, and not the people I work with, but like the people who are fucking responding to my posts and responding to my videos. I've talked to these fools. I would not want that as I would not want their like they're already antagonistic to me as a game dev. Are you kidding? The amount of antagonism that goes toward people who are trying to make the thing that you like. Are you kidding me right now? This does not bode well for the year 2024 for game devs. Um, I think I, everyone would probably has is probably sees this coming this like big crash that we're going to have right about like studio budgets are getting huge, but there's no jobs and they're all laying people off. Where are the games going? When, when are we going to get those games then? You know what I mean? That they're working on apparently. Uh, 2023 was incredible for video games, but we're probably not going to have a year like that for a long time. If this is the current trajectory, right? But that's my soapbox. I'm getting off it. Yeah, that, what a bleak world, bleak world you paint. But there is an alternative world where no humans make our video games. And we only play video games developed by AI. And that sounds like just a very Dude, buggy, the- hell-like world. <laughs> yeah, oh, Ubisoft. Yeah, you're really going to improve your writing here by fucking getting AI to, to do all your NPCs, huh? I played Assassin's Creed Mirage. If you told me that game was de- designed by AI, like the first AI video game, I'd be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I am acutely aware of that. Well, I actually think um, the only thing to save Skull and Bones at this point probably would be AI, to be fair. Because, <laughs> you know what? Because at least at that point, I'd be like, well, I got to check this out. Like, yeah. I got to see what this is like uh, um, uh, even the developers are probably like at this point like just get it i don't want it anymore just get just I, dump this out just get I, someone else <laughs> dude i've said this before like i was it was like three weeks before that game came out when they delayed it indefinitely like i was like all scheduled and ready to review it like and do guides <laughs> and like all this stuff and it's just like uh, your game's gone fuck <laughs> um justin nick offerman a treasure and delight. Um, a, a graduate of Illinois University of Illinois. Excuse me. Um, I know that because my brother graduated from there, and um, he spoke at his graduation. Oh, that's awesome! Yes, I think um, I think I had the mayor of Naperville speak at mine. That's so sick. <laughs> no one spoke at mine. It was fucking COVID. Uh, that's not true. We had speak. I don't know who spoke though. Like it wasn't. They couldn't. 
You could have emailed a celeb, North Central. Yeah, what someone. was anyone doing at that point? Uh, fuck, pay for a cameo. There was like literally yes, every celebrity percent. out there. I would have, I would have, you know what? And I would have been excited. <laughs> if, even if you have a little cameo, like a, a watermark in the bottom corner, I'd be like, Pedro Pascal, <laughs> or like whatever. Um, it's a thousand percent. Um, anyway, uh, Nick Offerman won in a, one of the creative Emmys for, I think, best guest actor in a drama uh, series for his role as bill uh, for the third episode of the last of us series and according to um to nick offerman a prequel spinoff show for bill and frank has been pitched doesn't mean it's happening doesn't mean that that it's being written it just means that someone said hey we could do a full tv show about these guys um what do we think we don't know we have no, literally no details about this uh he, he won this this um creative arts emmy for for this and, and was asked about it and he mentioned it. Um what, what what do you what do you think of that, Justin? Um I so surface level, um I like those actors together. Yeah, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. They made me weep. Yeah. Weep. How weep. often do I weep? Not anyway. not not frequently. Um and I don't know how good that will be. <laughs> um, do you ever get the feeling that like when a lot of people work on something like a video game or TV show or, or when there's like a big collaboration that that is like like a pretty big collaboration, like I'm not talking about like a small team of people. But like when something really profound and good gets made, it feels like it kind of happened on accident mm -hmm. not that everyone wasn't trying of course they were trying but like the fact that like okay the, the script was good the actors were good the camera work was good the sound was good you, you know what i mean like the pacing was good like the editing was good like all of that has to be good in order for something to be like really really good mm -hmm. and like if like two of those things are like mediocre or bad like all of the good that was like done by like the director and the actors and the sound you know, like is just like gone I'm not saying that that episode of TV was so good on accident, but I am saying that like, why would you ever want to go back to that? Well, you made a perfect episode of television. You made a perfect episode of TV. Why would you ever want to touch these characters again? Also, do we know why we know why that show was that episode was good, right? Cause we saw, we saw snapshots, vignettes of their life, life over what, like 10 years or whatever it was, 20 years. We saw like, we saw the whole thing happen but in like little vignettes and each vignette meant something and was touching and it was great. I don't need more of that because but it was like already perfect. Drawn out. Yeah. Yeah. It was perfect. It was perfect because each little scene was like exactly as long as it needed to be. We're protectors, Joel. That's people like you and me. Like th that was the fucking theme. That was the point of that. Episode. I don't know. Like you could make a good show about anything, I guess, but like, those actors are good together. They had great chemistry and they were like excellent. Obviously fucking Nick Offerman won an Emmy for it, but I think one of the things I appreciated about that episode more so than like, yes, it was a high quality episode. Great. Like everything about it was great. It was one of the few times in that series that I literally did not know what was going to happen next. Yeah, a thousand percent. And as I feel like that episode specifically was made for people who played the game before. 
because yeah. they were playing off our expectations of what that is. Yeah, they made an awesome show for like people who didn't play the game saw that episode and were like, what an episode. But for us, we saw that episode and we're like, holy fuck. I have no idea where this is going. Yeah. 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 Like, um, and like now that we know it and we know where it goes and we know how their timeline connects with Joel's and Tess's timeline. I just think that is not playing off expectations a little bit. You start to fill in too much of what happens before. And I don't know if I need to know what happens before. Joel was a depressed, shitty person who only got a little bit happy because he found someone to replace his daughter. Yeah. Isn't uh, that Joel? <laughs> but, like, but like, do we need a, pre- like, would you want a prequel show about Joel and Sarah? No. Because it, like that's not the story. I, I heard this once. Uh, I think it was Yahtzee Croshaw said this because he's like an author and, and stuff too. He said like, if your story is not the most interesting part of your character's life, life, then you've written the wrong story. And I think about that a lot, right? And I feel like that like if you aren't like I, I think that's really really wise. And and when it comes to like thinking about is this a good story. I ask that when I'm looking at stuff, right? Like, is this, was this the most interesting part of this character's life? And with Bill and Frank, yeah, it was. And we saw it, (laughs) but we saw, we saw those interesting parts and we saw the part that like actually matters. And what makes that episode so good is because we see their development of love in the way that we see it. Like the, the, the way that it was cut is good. If you, if I watched that whole thing over the course of a season of a TV series, it, I don't think it would work as well. You know, like maybe it could, maybe it would be good. But like I, I, what I think is so poignant about it is that it doesn't waste. There's no wasted time. There's no fat on that episode. Not even one percent. Would you like to watch what Joel did like after the um uh not emergence day? What the fuck was it called? Outbreak day. Outbreak day. Do you want to watch that till we we catch up with him at the beginning of no. Like, Not really, do you? No, I don't I don't I don't think there's like something that needs to be told. People will argue about like the Star Wars prequels. We don't need those 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 prequels. But yeah. the core idea of how did this Jedi become Darth Vader? The bad guy. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Now, until the extended universe, I don't think they really executed well on that intention, right? Yes, yes. Um, but like that at least was a story that needed to be told. I do not think I need to see Joel be a shitty person <laughs> for 20 years. Right. It's just, it's just not like the point. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I, like, I know that like people are like, you're crazy. You're saying you love that episode. Like, yeah, but like I loved it because of what it was and because it didn't like it, it because of exactly what it was and not like because it was a season of a TV show because <laughs> it wasn't a full season. <laughs> I don't know. People are weird. People want. I remember when there was like that episode where they like meet in the Last of Us show. Um, there's like like a old lady in a cabin. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, at the beginning uh, of yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah. It's like winter time or whatever, and it's when they go to, to to Jackson, and like a bunch of people were like, I would watch a whole series based on these two people. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, why, <laughs> why? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's just them sitting in those chairs and random people coming in and being like, Do you have food? Right. Like, like, I guess my thing is, like, could you make an interesting TV show out of two good characters, well-written characters? Yes. Anything like, yeah, sure. But like, why? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Like, like, I I feel like 
yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I hope they don't make this. <laughs> I won't watch it. Let me say this. I will not watch this. Oh, I'll watch it. You can tell me if it's good or not. I'll watch I it here. I'll watch the first episode and then not watch the rest of it. But um, imagine imagine if you said that about the Last of Us TV series. You'd, I'm not going to watch this. I don't need to see it. And I told you, like, this show's really good, man. It's really awesome. And then you saw it. I would be like, I would be like, Justin, you're right for the first three episodes. <laughs> and then after that, I'd be like, Justin, why are you making me watch this? <laughs> um, I mean, like, like that's kind of how I feel about the last, the second season. Like, I'll watch probably the first episode or two. And if it's not, and if it's if it's exactly what I think it is, then I'm probably out. Or maybe I'll watch it like I like how I assume like sports fans who like follow a team for years and then that team is terrible for like ten full years where they're doing? just like standing from the back like what are you doing? <laughs> what are you? Who's blocking him? Are right? you really you know? are you really just picking at the scab of me being um, a Bears fan? Is that how it is? Yeah, it fucking sucks, man. Um, there's some for crazy, years, right? Like, so since 1992, Peter, 1992, okay. okay. I the remember bears, bears, Packers. Do you think that's a good rivalry, right? Uh, like I, I've heard of, of, of such a rivalry. Yes. yes. Chicago bears, green Bay Packers since yes. 92, their record uh-huh. against each other. The Packers uh-huh. have won 50 times. The okay, bears well, how many times have they played have won 15. Okay. So it's not a, it's, it's not Sounds, a rivalry, Peter. It's not good. It's yeah. not a rivalry. They've lost the last 10. The Packers have a new head coach. He is 10 and 0 against <laughs> That's so bad. The Chicago <laughs> That's Bears. So bad. <laughs> That's so bad. You might as well at that point scrap them all, right? Yeah. Just like we're only doing new uh, like literally we're doing 100% 100% of our team is going to be fresh-faced college kids. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like like kids right out of college. Yeah. Try it. Whatever, man. What's the Jeez. worst that could happen? Us lose again? Yeah. Yeah, so that's how I'm gonna watch The Last of Us uh, season two. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, didn't they cast? They said that, they, or the rumor was that they casted that girl from Dear Evan Hansen. Was it Dear Evan Hansen or um, uh, what's her name? Uh, what's the one with the two high school students? Um, it might be the same one. I've never seen Dear Evan Hansen because I can't take how he looks like. Are you like talking about ben- Booksmart? Yeah, uh, it is the same person. Okay. <laughs> So does it, right. uh, but doesn't Ben Platt look like he's like 35 years old? Oh, it's it's insane. I've not seen the full movie. Um, I, I've, I've seen clips. I've seen um, videos breaking it down. I want to watch it so bad, but Elena won't watch it with me. Like it literally um, is he hitting on this girl? Like I so, see. It. So her name is Caitlin uh, Deaver. She was in a video game, too. Yeah, uh, that just came out or it's coming out. Um, the so, Last so of Us. Yeah, the last one. <laughs> um, she's she. It is it is rumored that she is is uh, going to be Abby in, in this game uh, in the show, which I, I think is a decent pick. Um, but yeah, so Ben Platt is what he's like uh, thirty. He's thirty and he's playing a high schooler, and like that's fine. That happens, but he he just doesn't have that like you know some people kind of like look young forever or for like a long like Tom Holland is what like he's gonna be twenty five or twenty six at this point twenty seven maybe uh, and like he still plays a pretty believable high schooler. Caitlin Deaver could play a believable high school person. She's twenty. Yeah, she's twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah. Or seven. Um, yeah. Exactly. Uh. Uh. uh but <sighs> she. And she, because she, she just like you know has that young looking face. But yeah, uh, Ben Platt, the guy who plays uh, Deer. Um, <laughs> you heard that? You heard that? No. <laughs> uh, he was on a show with RuPaul, and RuPaul said like, "Oh my gosh, I just saw Deer Evan Hansen." Uh, ben Platt play, plays deer. Uh, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, 
but yeah, he, he just doesn't have that face uh, of, of like looking particularly young. And then like the choices they do to like make him look younger, um, uh, just absolutely work against him. Um, you saw that movie theater camp he was in though, right? Was he good in that? I didn't, did I see theater camp? I think I did. I think you talked about it on this podcast. Yeah, I did see theater camp then. We were talking about that before and then I forgot. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, um, what's her name was in that though? Um, Ayo Edzabiri? She just won an Emmy or a Golden Globe for the Bear. Yeah, yeah, and that was. She was the Bear's a good show. I've not watched it. She was quite good in um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, what a year for her! Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I think we're 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 talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. The Bear. Uh, should I watch The Bear? Is it worth it? Yeah, it's like deeply like it's not. A, it's like. It makes me wonder who the fuck wants to work in the food industry, but like it, you know, it's supposed to be a comedy. Parallels, but yeah. parallels our our conversation here. Yeah, it what, won. What? It won. She won a, a Golden Globe for a comedy season a show, and Elena's watching. And I was like, I thought it was like a drama. She's like, it's like a dramedy, I guess. Like, anyway, yeah, kind of. There's like the people laughing it. Um, Jamie okay. Lee Curtis tries a little too hard. Oh, she's in it. Yeah. I um. Not not to be a hater on Miss Miss Lee Curtis. Uh, I feel like that's kind of her mo at this point. When she shows up, it's like it's like you do not need to do that much right now. Yeah, just cal- calm down. I don't want I don't want to think about you acting. I just want to watch you act. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Who else is in there? Is it like set in Chicago, right? Yeah. A John Barenthal. Okay. Yep. Yep. John Mulaney, Joel McHale. Did you watch his special, John Mulaney? His no, recent one. Not yet. I heard it's good. It's okay. Oh, um, it, it is. Yeah, it's OK. Um, he makes he makes this statement at the beginning of the, the, the um, the special. It's like I think I think there was another podcast that talked about this, maybe Quarators. It's a comedy show. I like um, where he comes out and he's like he basically says, like, you know, when I was younger, I used to do I used to talk like this. Ba 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 ba. And I was on a lot of cocaine then, so maybe that's why. But then he like goes on to talk like that. And it's just like, no, dude, that's just how you talk. But like, like, it'd be so funny if he came out and he's like, um, hello, I'm John Mulaney. Um, I used to do a lot of drugs, and I, that's why I sounded like that. But now I sound like that. Anyway, that's my John Mulaney impression. It's pretty good. All right. Thanks, everyone, for watching. No, no, please go keep going with it. You got it. You got this. <clears throat> Well, that just about wraps up our show. <laughs> Thank you to our deluxe Patreon producers. Jay Null, GKS, Josh Durham, and Dave Parker. <laughs> this is both good and bad. Like, I'm coming in and out of it being decent. Uh, it's, it's pretty bad, though. Um, we will catch you next week. If you want to join our Patreon, produ- our Patreon producers, patreon.com slash hitboxpod. Join our Discord. The link to that is in the description of this episode. This, this it's not good, but it's also not bad, right? It's oh like, it's no, okay. it is it is good. Oh, like you could be on SNL with that accent. I could, huh? Yeah. Um, um, trying to think. What else do I say? Like now, I'm doing the John Mulaney voice. I'm, I'm not thinking about what I actually say. You can also follow us on Twitter at HitboxPod. <laughs> <laughs> and rate this podcast in your podcast player of choice. This is like I like I, I'm not convinced that this is good. I'm convinced it's good. Specific, you would get a little up in your voice there. I was like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. We don't, we're not on YouTube. I don't really much. Uh, that's all. Uh, we will catch you next week. Always remember. Old games are old. That was nothing. Well, let me try it again. Always remember. Old games are old. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>